need you in our lives. We need you in this nation like never before, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are hearing our cry. Thank you, Lord, that you are answering prayers. Thank you, Lord, that you're moving in our midst. Thank you, Lord, that you're doing above and beyond we could ever ask or think or imagine, Lord, according to that power that's working within us by your spirit. Father, we just praise you this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place. There's miracles happening even right now, God. I don't know who you are, but as we were in worship this morning, I heard the word shift. Things are shifting in your favor. You've been in a uh, trial. You've been in a situation where it felt like everything was against you. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know what it is. But I feel a shift. The Holy Spirit says there's a shift in your favor. God loves you. God's for you. Amen. God's for you. How many know you're on the right team? Come on. So good. God is so good. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Awesome time in his presence. And we're going to just continue and keep that attitude of worship. Amen. Well, I want to, I think we got a praise report, don't we, Lorena? Is it, is it still on? Okay. We still need to pray this through. We got to pray this through. All right. We're praying for Dr. Chris to get here. Come on, church. So let's just keep believing that. I, I, I thought we were there, but we're, we're closer. All right. We'll just keep believing God for the breakthrough. Amen. Don't quit praying until we get the breakthrough, amen, and the answer, yes, so um, keep praying for that situation, and I just want to welcome our good friends, Bob and Joy Hacker over here. We love you guys. Saw you walk in. So good to see you, and just good to be in the house of God, amen? All right, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to continue continue in that book of Nehemiah. God has just been speaking in my heart, and I'm going to give you a preview of coming attractions. This attractive, beautiful lady here is going to continue next week, Lord willing. You know what? We've decided, we've decided for every announcement now, if the Lord wills. We make our plans, but if the Lord wills, it's 2020, who knows what tomorrow holds, okay? If the Lord wills, <laughs> sufficient for today is its own troubles. That's the world we're living in, all right? So um, I think uh, someone said the most useless thing this year is a 2020 planner, so that's, that's all right. We've been through some things. Hey, Amen. Well, this summer, my family, we, we've been thinking about this for a long, long time, um, to get an RV. Yeah, so we, we had been thinking about this, we'd been uh, shopping, and then we'd go, no, not, it's not now, it's not now. And then 2020 came, and you can't travel anywhere, and we said, you know what? Not only would it be good to be able to go on a vacation, but if things go to pot, we can just take off and, you know, go... So let's think about it. So we start shopping, and I, I like to shop and find good deals. I'm like, uh, and <laughs> um, I go a little nuts with that. So I'll just be honest. I'll be real this morning. And I, I go a little nuts with the good deal thing, whether it's Craigslist or OfferUp or whatever it is. I'm finding a, a good deal. And so I found this used RV on Facebook for an amazing deal. And I'm like, you know, 
oh, man, that seems too good to be true, but you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about that, and we're going we're gonna to see about this. And so we decided to go check it out. Carolyn's like, let's just go look at it. And so we looked at it, and we're praying the whole way down. We're like, Lord, if this is you, just show us, you know, and give us some indication. So we get there, and this wonderful, just sweet couple is there, and they're showing us this thing, and find out they're Christians, and they're moving, and they're like, oh, God's in this. Come on. God's in this, right? He's, <laughs> it has all the features, and these people are Christian. It must be the Lord. And so we're in this, and we're looking at this RV, and having this wonderful fellowship with this Christian couple. <laughs> and then, uh, so we, we end up getting it. Praise God, it was awesome. And uh, be, I won't go into the details, but we had to wait. You know, we're waiting for the title to come. And how many know it's good when you get the title? <laughs> That's it's ours, man. We don't, it's ours. And so, and so you, that title comes in the mail. And uh, we hadn't seen that before we bought and, and there's, there's a word on there that you, you don't necessarily want to see on a title. Rebuild. Rebuild. And so I'm like, oh, huh. Well, I guess it's really ours. We're going to be keeping this for a while. <laughs> so, but then I'm like, okay. But it looked, it was in great condition. There's nothing wrong. We'd taken it on a couple few trips. And so it was, it looked great. So they didn't look like there was anything wrong with this thing. But you know, you know how that is. If you go to buy a car, you see that rebuild. Hmm. What's this been through? This has had some accidents. This has had, there's been some stuff that's happened to this thing that we don't know about. There's a history here that's greater than we're aware of. And so... I start, you know, I start looking around. I'm looking under the wheel well, and I see, oh, okay, I see where a tire blew out. Okay, I see, see some things. But you get under there, and you start to inspect. But it's still fine, folks. It's still fine. It's working. So we're thankful for that. But you see that rebuild, and all of a sudden, there's a bad connotation. Like, this has been through some stuff. And I got to thinking about that, and... Going, well, thank God it works. Thank God for the blessing. It was still a good deal. Maybe next time there's some lessons here, right? There's some lessons here. Maybe I'll inspect a little more before I commit to buying. That's always good. Maybe there's some questions you need to ask before you buy that used thing. Um, but title, when you have that title, it's just ownership. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you know, when we gave our life to Jesus and we made him Lord— Guess what? He got the title deed. We're his. We're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price, the most precious price, the precious blood of Jesus. And guess what? I'm going to tell you this morning, all of us have some rebuild on our title. Come on. All of us have some rebuild on our title. Now, you may look at some people this morning. Maybe you're new to church. You're new to the Christianity or something, but, and, and you're going, well, you people look like you got it all together. But let me tell you something. There's been some accidents. There's been some wrecks. There's been some messes, but there's a rebuild, and God's done a rebuild in my life, and there's something new that God's building in me. So what you see today is what, not what it was. Come on. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. I'm a new creation. And so if you've got that mindset, understand, we understand. We've been through some messes. We've been through some wrecks. Don't think because we look all good and we got a suit on or something that we've got it all together because we're still a work in progress. Amen, church? But God's desiring to build. And so that's why I've been in this uh, book of Nehemiah. 
that he's building something in our lives that's God's desire to build in our lives, to build his kingdom in our lives, but he's also building his church. Come on. He says, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will probably quote that scripture every time I preach. Why not? But I just feel um, that it's time to arise and build. It's time to arise and build. That's the season we're in. It's a season of building and battling. And is that not the Christian life? Is that not our experience, period, in all seasons, but especially in the season we're in? So I heard three things. I said, I heard this, that there is a resistance and there is some rubble, but the Lord says there is a rising of his people. There's a resistance and there's some rubble, but God is rising, raising up a people. He's saying, arise and build. And then in the midst of all that, God's bringing a, waking up his church and bringing something to life in us to build in this season. And so, and I believe that's not, that's for us personally. I believe it's for us as a local congregation, but I believe it's for the body of Christ in a broader way. That that's the season we're in. So we're in chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. Let's take a look there, and we'll start there. But remember, I just wanted, for those of you who maybe didn't catch the previous messages, remember Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the house of the king of Persia, or in the, in the, in the um, royal uh, chamber there in Susa. The Persian empire was huge, and he had a place of access. He had a place of privilege. He had a place of power and influence. And yet he hears a report of what's happening in Jerusalem. The gates are on fire. The walls are broken down. And, and it, here we are, set 90 years past their initial return from exile. And still they are in disrepair. So this is the message he hears. He, hears, he gets the burden of the Lord. The last message I preached, I said he had God's per- burden. But then he waited for God's timing. And then he waited for God's favor. Come on. And so in verse 8, we see he got the favor of the Lord from the king of Persia who gave him the permission to go. He gave him the power to go. He gave him the provision to go. And is that not our king as well? He's given us the permission, the commission actually is what it's called, to go. And he's given us the power. His authority says all heaven and earth, he has that power. And in that power, he sends us. But then he gives us the provision. Where grace leads us, he provides. Where he guides us, he provides. Amen? So that's where we're at. And we get to verse 9, and now Nehemiah has made this journey. So it says, Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. When Sanvalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about it, it was very displeasing. Somebody say displeasing. To them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. So here's Nehemiah, and I, I believe Nehemiah is a type of Christ. Jesus left the throne room of heaven, came down to our mess. Come on. Nehemiah left the place of privilege, power, influence, and came into this mess. And he gets to Jerusalem after this 800-mile journey. And here he sees, and so he had, 
he has, he's come with authority, he's come with provision. He, God showed him exactly what supplies he would need and what to ask for, and now he has those supplies. He's been, he's been protected. He has the, um, the king's army with him. And so here he is. So number one this morning, I want to see, because this is the times we're in. I believe it's a prophetic word for us. I believe it's for us personally, too, that we recognize in this time the resistance. And why is that important? Because many times when we are in a season of battle like this, there are things coming against us, and the enemy is not going to make it obvious that it's him. He does not want to be exposed. He does not want to be known. He wants you to think it's something else. And so you'll, you'll experience things personally You'll experience pressures and whatever it is. I mean, Pastor John preached in August about the pressure we're under, the pressing of the Lord, right? And we all feel that. We're the pressing of the times just we're in. But we feel that personally. We see circumstances, and I'll tell you what's happening right now is that pressure is, is revealing things. But recognize the enemy's resistance, when he gets there, it says they were displeased that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. Let me just say this this morning. Resistance actually comes when we move. Okay, he had had a burden. He prayed. He had a vision. He asked. He had, he, he had permission, but he had to actually move. And when he did, they saw someone was moving towards the welfare of the sons of Israel, and they were displeased. And so as you move into that situation, I love Amy's testimony this morning, as she was not just burdened, like we watched that movie, and we're like, oh, you almost feel overwhelmed. What can we do? But God gave her a specific thing to do. So God will give you specific things to do. He'll not just put the burden on your heart. You'll pray, but many times you're praying for an answer, but many times the answer is you. And so we're moving, he moves towards the situation and there is a resistance. And I, I can tell you that there are many Christians who feel the burden, who feel the urge, who feel the unction, and yet they don't move. And I believe this is a season where God is saying, move into that situation that I've put on your heart. Whatever it may be. We're sent, but we don't always go, but it's time to go into those places that God's called us. Jesus, the word became flesh. The enemy immediately tried to abort him. Moses, the deliverer, born in a generation, the enemy tried to abort him. Are you seeing the trend here? The enemy wants to abort before the plan can be filled up. And he's trying to abort our plan, the plan of God, the plan of his kingdom to be ex expanded on in, in the hearts of men. And so I want you to look three more, three, three people this morning that Nehemiah has to come up against in, in this story. One is named Sanvalat, and his name means strength in the Hebrew. He held apparently some command in Samaria at the time Nehemiah was preparing to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in B.C. 445. As a person of power and influence, he sets himself against the work of the Lord to repair the walls of Jerusalem. He is Nehemiah's chief opponent. 
And I want you to see this morning, you have a chief. His name is Satan. He's against you. I know, surprise. But he wants to oppose us in advancing the kingdom of God to discourage, to bring despair, to intimidate, and to accuse. He is the accuser of the brethren before God, and he's the accuser of God before the brethren. So he is constantly pointing fingers and constantly accusing and constantly trying to bring intimidation in our life. One Bible scholar wrote that Senvalet's name also means secret hatred. Now, I couldn't confirm that, but let me just say this. It's certainly how Satan works. He hates you, but he does so secretly. He hides himself. He would never tell you directly he hates you. No, he'll find ways to express his hatred through others or through some circumstance or something to get at you. But let me just tell you, he's not a secret admirer. He's a secret hater. And so that's Sanvalah. Second person is Tobiah. And Tobiah means, oddly enough, his name means Jehovah is good. Now that sounds great, but that's what's strange is he was one of the chief opponents against the people of God. So what is that about? This morning, I'll say it's a type of the flesh. Because the flesh tries to make itself look good, tries to fulfill the law of God. Come on. What the flesh could not do in that it was weak, right? The flesh, in, and, and, and Paul says in chapter 7 of Romans that in his flesh dwells no good thing. Jesus said the flesh profits nothing, right? It's against you. It's against you. It has to be wielded, right? The spirit and the soul, we need to decide to yield to the Holy Spirit and not the flesh. The flesh has set itself against the spirit. And so there's a resistance from the enemy, but there's a resistance in our flesh that has to be dealt with. Come on. On a daily basis. And we've got to feed the spirit so the flesh gets weaker. There are two dogs in this fight, and when you feed one, it also starves the other. Come on. So we are fighting the devil, we are fighting the flesh, and the third person is Geshem, and it means to rain upon. Heavy rain shower. You got those people in your life who just rain on things? You bring good news, and they're just like that rain, that cloud. And they come and they just put, oh, that's not, well, there's this, there's that. Negative Nancy. Come on. There's no Nancys in here, right? No, I'm not calling you that. He works together with Sanvalot later to try to entice Nehemiah into a meeting for the purpose of destroying him. Let me see. To me this morning, he represents the world. The world. See, the world, Satan's the ruler of this world. And so we are, we are, we are dealing with not loving the world. Come on. You're not of this world. You're in this world, but you're not of this world. Come on, church. And that through Jesus, we overcome this world. But that is, there's a world system as well that we're up against that opposes the building efforts of the kingdom of God. Three things. All right. You still with me? Okay. And if you aren't facing opposition, I've heard this said, then you might be going in the wrong direction. If you're not facing opposition, let me tell you, the more we pray, the more we intercede, come on, that resistance is, is coming up, but I, I believe this, through that prayer we overcome. 
We press through the spiritual opposition, the resistance, and that is determined to abort the purposes of God. So one, we've got to recognize the resistance. And, and, and Nehemiah immediately faced it as soon as he got to town. But let's go on and read in chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So he goes out at night. Remember, he's heard of what's happening, but now he's going to see it for himself. He says, so I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and on to the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were consumed by fire. So as he's going, he's seeing this thing firsthand. So before he's going to act, before he's going to begin to build, he needs to see the, 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 the severity of the situation up close and personal. It's one thing to hear it from others. It's one thing to hear secondhand how bad it is. But he goes into that situation, he goes into the darkness of night, goes into the depths of where that sit, that those walls are and looks at the details and the gaps in that wall and the, where the fire had burned the gates. So number two, I believe this, as he saw that, it was revealing the rubble of the situation. And we're in a season where God's revealing some rubble. Can we just be honest? In our lives. I, I hope I'm not alone this morning in saying I, 2020 has revealed some things about me. Because when you're under the pressure, when you're under the shaking, when you're under the things that we're going through, right, both personally, corporately, and whatever it is, those things begin to come up, things that are undealt with, those areas in your foundation that need some work, where there's some rubble there. And so as those things are being revealed, guess what? God is inspecting. He's inspecting the walls of our lives because the walls speak to salvation. Come on. The walls speak to salvation. And so God is coming to rebuild and repair those. This word inspecting means saver. It's in a medical term for probing a wound to see the extent of its damage. Okay, that's not me. Now, my son, he's had frequent accidents. And um, I can remember one in particular. We were upstairs one day, and I hear this. I hear this tumbling, I mean loud tumbling noise down the stairs, and then I hear this long pause and then screech, like loud screaming. I'm like, oh, this one's bad. This one's bad. I know it's bad. So I go in there, and uh, my son has added a third eye on his forehead. <laughs> it's split wide open. and. It was bad, and my, my wife starts tending to it, and I'm like, there's something else I can do, because I, I can't look at that. I can't look at that. That thing makes me cringe, and I know one thing, and I've said this before, I was not called to be a doctor, praise God, or a surgeon, because I can't handle it. But here this thing was just wide open, and, and, and she's inspecting it, and thank God it was one of many injuries, but you'll see he's got some scars on the forehead from those experiences. But 
this kind of inspection, got, it's that close inspection, how bad is this wound? How bad is this thing going on? And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life if we'll let him. He goes into the dark places, those places of hurt. You know, we see the fruit of things in our lives. We see the behaviors that we're trying to deal with and trying to overcome. But the Holy Spirit knows the root. The Holy Spirit knows what's really going on in the depths of your heart that no one else knows. And maybe you don't even know. And he will reveal, he'll show it, and he'll say, this is an area of rubble in your foundation that needs some rebuilding. But it's okay because he loves us. Come on. He cares for us. He, he is for us. He goes in those places we don't want anyone else to see. You know, on occasion, my wife and I watch, she's really more into this than I am. Yeah, I have a little OCD, so I can't handle the show. It's Hoarders. You ever seen that show? And I'm watching this, I'm like, how are you living in that? <laughs> but people have this, you know, they have emotional problems, and so they'll just keep all this junk, and there'll be various reasons why they do it, but there's, there's just rotting, there's smells, there's just, it's gross. And they're trying to live in this thing. And we're watching the story of this, this older man who's probably in his 70s. And he's, he's living in this terrible situation of just junk and chaos in his home. And I'm going, I don't know how you survive in that. But he has a girlfriend. He's been in a relationship for 15 years. And she's never seen the inside of his home. And I'm asking, how did that happen? How the close, the person who's closest in your life, you somehow maintain to keep out of your house. You've, you somehow maintain that she's never seen this mess. And so as a part of this process, they're trying to help him through this and heal him and get this house cleaned up. They're saying, she's got to come see this. So she sees it for the first time, and she's, you know, she goes, I had, I had a feeling. I had, you know, I had, I had a feeling it was bad, but this is way worse. This is way worse than I thought. And so I'm sure in this man, all these fears, right? Is she going to reject me when she sees the inside of this mess? Come on. Is she going to reject me when she sees all this junk and what, a, what, a, what shambles my life is in? My shambles my life is in? Is she going to reject me? And I'm sure some of us, if we were honest this morning, would say, God, are you, there's some things in my heart, and I know it, but I don't know if, are you gonna, am I going to get rejected if this stuff gets revealed? Oh, we have a good God. He's seen it all. And see, when he comes with his goodness, come on, into those dark places of our lives, that place of pain, place of bitterness, rejection, Beneath the surface that no one ever else sees. Just like Nehemiah exploring the places in that city. He sees it, but he's there to heal it. I heard one poor person describe it. When he goes into the dark places of your heart, you know, the heart, it says in Scripture and Proverbs, is like dark waters. If we were going to go out to the sound this morning, you can't see very deep. But see, I've seen pictures of the water in Fiji, and you can see the bottom. 
That's beautiful. I want to go there. But the, the waters of a man's soul are like dark water. You can't see very deep. There's things lurking down there that you don't know. But the Holy Spirit will go down there like a diver with his light, and he'll begin to shine it. But he's shining. I want to tell you this picture this morning. He's shining with a smile on. I can fix this. I can heal this. I love you so much. I can heal this thing in you. So we're afraid of the rubble. We're afraid of dealing with these things. But if we'll just let him, it's so much better. Oh, it's so much better. Holy Spirit, come in. We, refe- we fear the reproach of others. What if they see the pain and the rejection and the hurt? Oh, but we are loved. We are loved by Heavenly Father. Hebrews 4.13 says this, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him who, whom we have to do. It's all laid open. He sees it. It's when we acknowledge that he sees it. And when we acknowledge that he sees it, and then we acknowledge his love and his goodness, come on. Wait, wait, wait. You see that mess. You see that rubble. And yet you love me. Your love for me is unchanged in the light of that. He already sees... Pastor Julie already quoted Psalm 139, but I've got a couple more from that chapter. It says in Psalm 139.3, you scrutinize my path. I was reading this one day and just wrecked me. And my lying down and are intimately acquainted with my ways. With all my ways. Intimately acquainted with all my ways. Why do we think we can hide? He says, if I go to the depths, you are still there. You're still there. I can't run. Where can I hide from your spirit? You're there. Are we willing to ask? Because David prays a bold prayer in Psalm 139. He says this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any, listen to this, hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So I'm not, if, if in this season right now things are getting revealed, this is the prayer. Search me, try me, know me, see me, lead me. That's a bold prayer. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit will answer that. He'll answer that prayer. Only he knows the true condition of our heart, and he, only he knows the true condition of the church. The Bible says that judgment begins in the house of God. And so, we're in a season where things are getting touched in the church. There's rubble in the church. There's rubble on the foundation. And God says, I want to build, but I've got to remove the rubble before I can build. I've got to remove the rubble. And that's not aimed at just us, but if the shoe fits, okay? It's aimed, it's the church as a whole. Jesus wants to build the walls. 
we reflect on what the church was at its birth. Woo, come on. Powerful. A force. And yet we have to ask ourselves a question. Is there some rubble, God, now that's preventing you from, from us being that again? Remove it. Come with that bulldozer, Holy Spirit, and just remove it. Verse 14, we're almost there. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. They see the rubble was so high, he can't even get through. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate again and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work. All this, he's got to see the situation. He's got to survey how bad this is before he begins the work. And he was unable to pass. You see, when there's a rubble in our lives, in the foundational areas of our lives, it inhibits the move of God. But he's willing to move the rubble if we'll let him. And, you know, this really speaks to foundation, speaks to what are we building our lives on? What are we building our lives on? So this, this year, I've seen some idols fall. Think about it. Sports is impacted. Our economy. Our trust in politics. I mean, we watched, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go here for just a second. And please, please, I know you love me, so you're not going to get mad. All right. We watched a debate. And everybody was disgusted. But here's my response. I said, you know what, guys? We live in a representative government. So you can point the finger at the behaviors on that platform. Or you can understand that it is, a, this, is the whole, this is what I heard from the Holy Spirit as I'm watching that. Reflection. It's a reflection of the state of our society. You just look at your news feed. You just look at talking heads on cable or whatever it may be. It's a reflection of what's going on. We're divided. We're polarized. We, don't, we cancel each other. That's the culture we're in. And so why don't we put away the putting, pointing the finger and say, Lord, search me. Search me. And why don't we do this? Why don't we acknowledge that no man or party can save us from this situation? That's not to say you shouldn't vote. You should vote righteousness. Come on. Do your part, Christians. Don't be silent. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 11 says, According to the grace of God which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on top of it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. I'll say it again. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is, come on, Jesus Christ. The sure foundation, the rock upon which our life is built. 
Remove the rubble and let him build on the rock in your life, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, 24 through 25 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, I'm going to say, and acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell. Come on, that's the Geshem guy who put some rain on you, right? The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fail, for it had been founded on what? The rock. We're finding out what's going to stand. We're finding out, because in Hebrews 12, it says, and, and he's going to shake things. And I think, it's, I think it's safe to say we're in a shaking, but so that those things which can't be shaken will remain. So what's remaining? But what things can be shaken turns into rubble. Are you following me? So he says, and um, what have we built our lives on? Is it on the revelation of Jesus? Almost done. Finish it up in Nehemiah 2, 18 through 20. So there's the resistance. There's the rubble. But there is a rising. I want you to see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning, church. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me. Whew. And also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. You see, when you have the word of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the authority of the Lord, and then there's a favor of the Lord, there is a response. And so he says, when I had shared that with them, so they put their hands to the good work. The Bible says that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Come on, for good works. There's a good work that God has for you. And the works are not what we base our salvation on, but they are evidence of our salvation because we, are, we have good works. There's good works. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they mocked us and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. I love his response, but I want you to see what Nehemiah did. Before he has this conversation, he has to understand the scope of work. The scope of work. And so, this is the world I live in, in program management, project management. You have to understand the scope. And we have a thing we call it scope creep. That's that's when you feel like you understand how big this job is, and then your client or somebody comes in and says, no, we also need to do this. You're like, that's scope creep. You can't do that. So you're learning new terms this morning, right? But you're increasing this thing that we agreed to, and now you just made it bigger, so it's going to take longer, and it's going to cost more. You with me? So he had to make sure he understood, is this something we can actually complete? He has this conversation with them, but before that, he counted the cost. 
And I want you to see that, you know, this is a wall that is three to four feet thick. It's 15 to 20 feet high, and it's four miles long. That's a big project, to do it by hand. Right? So he needs a lot of resources. He needs a lot of ready hands. He needs a lot of people to perform this, and he needs to know just how much work it's going to take. And so he has that revelation, the revelation of how bad this rubble is, and he has this conversation. But I want you to take it to this. We as disciples need to do some counting of cost. In Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Are you with me? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, listen to what the result is when when it's unfinished. It says, All who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Whoo! Do you notice the ridicule comes because of unfinished work? We're having a discipleship group, a group of us guys, and we're, and I'm telling you, it's tearing us up. Because we're understanding, we're getting back, we're realizing, you know, sometimes we've had some rubble in our foundation of our understanding of what it means to be a disciple. And the author says in that book, it used to be synonymous when you said Christian and disciple. It is no longer that. Because a disciple is a learner. A disciple has a mindset of continuing in his word. A disciple has a mindset of acting on his words and building his life upon that. And so we're discovering Maybe there's some things where areas where we were impulsive or reluctant in in terms of obeying his command to follow him. Maybe there's some areas in my life that God needs to remove some rubble in my foundation, some things that were built that don't belong. But it's a good process because we can have confidence in the God who is for us. You're not alone in this process. You're not alone in this process. I thought you'd get excited about that. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says this, I am confident of this very thing. I'm confident of this. See, this is the kind of confidence Nehemiah had. He said, man, the God of heaven is with us, and because he's with us, we'll have success. But he says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you have that confidence this morning? And Hebrews 3, 6 says, but Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. Say, whose house we are. If we hold fast our confidence. Do you see that? I've asked Dr. Chris, I said, what's your favorite verse? Favorite Bible verse. I know Sam's going to start laughing. Uh, what's your favorite Bible verse? And he, said, he says, Hebrews 10, I think it's 38. He says, but don't throw away your confidence. And I said, oh, that's a good one. Don't throw away your confidence. You know what right now is being, your confidence being tested? The circumstances, the pressing, the shaking, your confidence in your father is being tested. That moment, Nehemiah gets tested. You see, he's been in four months of intercession and prayer. He's been surrendered before the Lord. 
He's seen how bad it is, but he knows how big his God is. Come on. He's seen the, the brevity of the situation, but he has a God who's bigger than that situation. And he says, I have confidence that we will have success. And you'll see when we get to the rest of this book, 52 days that wall is rebuilt. 52 days after 90 years of failure. It just took one man who said, I have confidence in God. How much more when the people of God get this kind of confidence and say, man, my God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond whatever I ask or think or imagine according to this power that's working in me. Don't throw away your confidence even if you're tested. God's still for you. God's still with you. And he will help you complete that work. He will complete that work in you. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Need you more, Lord. We need you more. Holy Spirit, morning. We want to pray the prayer of David. Search us, O God. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Know our hearts. Try us. Can you pray that this morning? say, what if he tests me and I fail? Oh. His love for you doesn't change. That test just showed an area you need to, need some rebuilding. It's okay. He says, see, there's some rubble here. There's some anxiety. There's some hurt. There's some pain. Maybe there's some unbelief. Spirit shed a light on it this morning. See if there's in us any hurtful way. Any bitterness, any hatred, any unforgiveness, oh God. gaps in the wall where the enemies had access to our lives. We've tried to worship, we've tried to seek you, but there's this thing, there's this thing holding us back. There's this thing inhibiting your free movement in our lives. Holy Spirit, move the rubble, we ask you. avail ourselves this morning and ask you to build again. 
our confidence, our trust. Holy Spirit, you're our helper, our ever-present help in need. You've never failed us. You've never, ever forsaken us. You're our comforter. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do what only you can do. We say, have your way this morning in us. Have your way this morning in your church. Have your way this morning in our nation. Have your way. Your ways are higher than our ways. Thoughts higher than our thoughts. But I thank you this morning, Holy Spirit, that you give us the mind of Christ, that you've given us that. you need to do right now we just lift our hands or just respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart thank you Lord let him take that fear perfect love come and cast out all fear. Let his grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of him. Let him heal the pain. Let him heal the hurt. Let him heal the disappointment. Some of you carrying some guilt and some shame, and the Lord says, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I'll take the rubble. I'll remove that. Give it to me. by your spirit, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within us. Renew a right spirit within us, O oh God. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Build our lives, O oh God. Build, O oh Lord. We give you permission, just build. We avail ourselves to build, to be a part of what you're doing in this hour and this season, oh God. Thank you, Lord.
just worship for just a minute. Those of you joining online, we're so grateful for you. Why don't you stretch your hands towards them. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, that you're moving in lives. If you're hurting, I, there's someone in a place of deep darkness. God's just shining his light into that place right now. Just receive his love, receive his grace, receive his mercy. He says, behold, I stand at the door knocking. If you'll just open, I'll come in. I'll sup with you. I'll fellowship with communion with you, intimacy with you. He says, I'm intimately acquainted with your ways. I still love you. I still love you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. Come back. I feel like there's somebody you've been away from the Lord for a long time. And the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heartstrings this morning to just come. The Father stands with open arms saying, come home, come home. Come to the Father, come home. So we just pray, Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, that you're moving in hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you're healing broken places. Thank you, Lord, that you're restoring. You're manifesting your grace right now in lives right now in Jesus' name. you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, it's really simple. Just believe on him. And so as the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But on the day of Pentecost, as Peter preached, he says, repent and turn. Repent and turn. So if you'll turn to him, turn from your ways, turn to him. Lord loves you. He gave his life. He says, the Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have gone his own way. But the Lamb of God came and he was slain for the sin of the world. He was slain for us. John the Baptist saw him approaching the Jordan. He said, there, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's already done. Receive his provision, his salvation, his grace for your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 